close to doing $3 million in sales in 2021, just under. And I think, gosh, I am living my dream because I'm doing what I love so much. And I think because I love it so much, I, I only hire people who love it as much as I do. And I have created the environment that I always dreamed that I could do what I love and do it where I love to do it. And so one of my goals with the practice was to create a work environment where people wanted to show up. I want people to come to work and have fun. And that's, in fact, our first core value at Carson Hearing Care is fun. And we'll check in and say, are we still having a good time? And everything is fun at our office. From having foster dogs in the office, we celebrate every crazy holiday. Bloody Mary Day was about two weeks ago, and I was with a patient, and I said, it's Bloody Mary Day. He said, I love Bloody Marys. Sure enough, you know, here we come delivering Bloody Marys. And so, I mean, everything is just fun. Another core value is remarkable for us. And I think the very definition of remarkable is to be remarked upon. And so one thing I tell my team is that if patients don't leave our office talking about us, we haven't been remarkable. I want people to leave and go to their bridge group and their small Bible studies and their churches and tell people about what a great experience they have and remark upon that. And I think that we have created that remarkability that's allowed for a great patient referral base because people talk about us and send their friends. And and as a result of that, we have this, you know, birds of a feather where everybody that comes into my practice is wonderful. Welcome to Winning Strategies Playbook, the podcast where we welcome business leaders, CEOs, and industry experts to discuss the rise to the top, building wealth, and real estate insights. Here's your host, Jeremy Spann. Welcome to Winning Strategies Playbook. For more information on this show, you can go to myexperiencedrealtor.com. That's experienced with an ED, myexperiencedrealtor.com. Scroll on over to podcasts. You can learn more about the show, our different guests, how to get in touch with them. And of course, if you're going to buy and sell real estate anywhere on the planet, click that homepage with Find a Trusted Professional. We'll make sure that you get someone like us, even if you're not here in the Fort Worth market. But we're not here to talk about real estate today. We are here to talk about my fabulous guest who I cheated on, (laughs) cheated on her. We'll talk about that. Robin Carson, how are you doing? Really good. How are you? And I, I forgive you for cheating on me. I thank you. Thank you for forgiving me. You're welcome. You know, uh, and I really do appreciate that. And we'll talk about that more here in a second. But I got to start every one of these off with a joke because when I decided to start the show, my father-in-law said, well, you got to do a joke. And so purposely, I do bad jokes because when he listens to it, I know this annoys him. But I thought this one was fitting for our topic today. I've never seen the inside of my ears, but all I hear are good things. (laughs) 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 I'm not going to make it in stand up. I totally, right. I'll just, yeah, I'll just. It's a good dad joke. (laughs) So, Robin, for the audience, Mm -hmm. uh, you and I are in an organization together, not in, we're in the same chapter, but not in the same group called Entrepreneurs Organization. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's how you and I actually I remember you and I first met. We were sitting next to each other, an event or a presentation, something or another. Lee Prozenjack was the presenter and it was at the Women's Center over. over yeah. Mm-hmm. And we were sitting next to each other. And that's that was the first time I met you. Yep. I remember that well. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, EO, I love. I mean, I adore that organization. It's kind of been one of those things that took me, uh, gave me the ability and the skill set to know how to run a business. You know, um, I'm not an entrepreneur by nature. And so it's been a forced thing for me to learn so much about business. And so I could not, I would not be where I am without the influence of people I've surrounded myself with EO, for sure. How, how did you get introduced to EO? Uh, John Cornelson. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's that's who you introduced. I mean, I think he's. I think a he's like thread. the center. I think the so. Nucleus yeah. of the atom, or whatever the scientific yeah. nature is. Right? And I, so I met him, and we just started chatting. And and you know, I, you probably heard the saying of, "I'm I'm an audiologist, and so I'm this technician who had the entrepreneurial seizure and thought I could open up my own business about nine years ago, but had no idea what I was getting myself into, um, and kind of." signed a lease on a piece of property before I had a business plan and just kind of put the cart before the horse the whole whole time. And so EO has given me the tools to learn how to manage people, how to lead people, and just great perspective from other successful business people. So it's really been a hugely important part of my life now. And what, what year did you start with EO? I think I'm going on four years, four. maybe going on five. So you and I started probably around the same time. Yeah. Because I think it was, let's see, I'm in my... I think I'm in my fourth year now. I think that's about me, but yeah. I'm, you know, I lose track of time because again, 90 miles an hour yeah. um, and time flies. Your, your group that you're in is with somebody who's also been a guest on the show and a very close personal friend of mine, John Lee. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? John Lee is a great guy. I joined EO. It was a different forum. That forum kind of imploded. Two of us joined that forum, the Vision Bombers, and uh, that's where I was introduced to John Lee, and he's kind of an inspiring dude. Yeah, I, I enjoy him very much. Yeah, he's, and that's the thing is, I, I think the e- easiest way to sum up and describe folks that are in EO is just wired different, <laughs> right? Yeah, and in uh, that EO experience of getting those useful tools and assets. But also being able to – so for the audience, and I've had Don Williams on here, uh, you know, talking about what EO does and, mm-hmm. you know, experience share, very gestalt. But it's just nice to be able to be in a private room where everything's confidential and, and be able to share things, you know, the 5% with other people that can give experiences because they've been through – something parallel or similar, right? Yeah. And, you know, not being an entrepreneur by um, by a gift, but rather by training, I feel like um, I didn't think that I could be contributing to these successful business people in any way. So starting out with EO, I thought, what value am I going to add to anybody? Yeah. Um, and then you get there and you realize the value, I think, for me on my in my forum is I lead with my heart, you know, emotionally centered. And so um, it is just an interesting collaboration sitting around a table with seven people that are uniquely different, but all very much on the same page. Um, so, yeah, love it. So where does life begin for Robin? Where are you from originally? I am a Yankee. Don't hold it against me. But I was born in Hartford, Connecticut, raised okay. in Massachusetts, went to college in upstate New York. Very upstate, Niagara Falls, New York, tiny little college, Niagara University, about 4,000 kids, and got a marketing and a business degree. I grew up in a family where my dad was in the pharmaceutical industry, and so that's all I knew was pharma. And so 
if life was to have been played out the way that I had thought it was going to be at 18, I'd be back in New Jersey as a product manager at a pharmaceutical company. Um, so graduated with a business and a marketing degree uh, in New York. A uh, pharmaceutical company took a shot at me on me at a college and moved me to Albuquerque, New Mexico. And so talk about culture shock going from upstate New York <laughs> to New Mexico. Sight unseen with all by myself at 22 years old to kind of begin a life and forge my way into the pharmaceutical industry. And that lasted about two years and I hated every minute of it. It was terrible. And so, you know, I called my dad about two years in, and, and I could feel the color run out of his face when I called him because he thought he was done with me, you know. And I said, I can't do this. If I'm going to work forever, there was nothing that filled my heart or soul about what I was doing, dragging drugs around New Mexico and schlepping bags of bagels and, and begging people to give me two minutes of their time. I knew I needed to do something more fulfilling. And so when I look back at, you know, God's plan, the reason I went to New Mexico is because there was a master's program for audiology, which is something I knew I was passionate about. I uh, have a hearing loss myself. And um, sure enough, University of New Mexico had a master's degree. And so I stopped working in pharma, went back to graduate school. And the year that I was graduating with my master's degree, they turned the profession into a doctoring degree. So I had a decision if I wanted to just stick with a master's or go on for a doctorate. And I decided to go on because I was young enough to have to compete. And so life was in New Mexico for 14 years. Met my husband in a bar in Albuquerque. Uh, he's from Portland, Oregon. And we have three children, native New Mexicans. And we moved to Fort Worth 15 years ago because we finally looked at each other and said, what the heck are we doing in Albuquerque, New Mexico? <laughs> really? And so that was it. We just kind of threw our hat over the fence and moved here. My folks were here. And so we'd spent a lot of time in Fort Worth over the years with holidays and traveling back and forth. And um, Fort Worth just always felt good. You know, just small town, but big town and friendly people. And um, so we've been here 15 years on the best decision we ever made. So, so. And you're right. I mean, Fort Worth's like the biggest small town on the planet, right? Yep. And so, so what what age did you uh, experience hearing loss? When did that start? I was born with a hearing loss. You know, I didn't address it um, because I was a kid and wasn't going to. And I've been wearing hearing aids successfully for probably 20 years now. And a lot of that is getting over it and just, you know, taking ownership. And also, I think mostly because hearing aid technology is kind of this hidden niche of technology nobody talks about. But much like a cell phone, you know, I think back 12 years ago when the Razor flip phone was the sexiest phone on the planet. And then you look at this iPhone 13 and you think how far we've come. So finally, when technology got good enough where it sounded good, it performed well, it went from analog to digital, it made my life easier and less frustrating. And that's when I kind of jumped in with both feet and, and embraced it. And I think it's given, you know, I spent the, a lot of time trying to figure out where the hearing loss came from. And then the very being very grateful for it because it led me to a career that I adore and I'm very passionate about. And I think it helps me connect with patients because I have this firsthand understanding and I, I've been, I'm in your shoes. So I, I understand I hear you, but I don't understand you. I know what that means when it sounds like everybody's mumbling or to say, gosh, I heard you, but I didn't understand. Look at me when you talk to me. I get all that. And so it allows me to connect with patients because of my own firsthand understanding of what it means to have a hearing loss. So you not only s empathize with the patients, you sympathize because you 
it, have it. the same thing. Yeah. And right? so often patients will say, it's exactly it. I'm like, I know right. because I'm in your shoes. You know, I understand. And, you know, it also gives me the opportunity to vet out any new technology. So whenever new products are introduced into the market, I get to hear through them and really see for myself if it's an, something that's new and different, if it's an repackaged old idea. Um, and so it's been a really helpful thing for me to have a hearing loss. And it, again, it led me to a career that I adore. And I think it's really allowed for me to build relationships with people because we have that shared experience. Um, so you get to Fort Worth 15 mm-hmm. years ago. Yep. And, and you don't start your business right away. No, I don't. I, you know, I've worked for, I've been doing this for 25 years now and always for somebody else and working really, really hard for other people and um, always have loved what I've done, but I haven't always loved where I've done it. And so nine years ago, I was actually sitting with a patient who is a friend and I said, you know, I've got this dream that I really want to have my own practice. And I, I said, if, if I could pick perfect, I want to be on the bricks of Camp Bowie with good visibility and easy parking and about 1,100 square feet. He said, well, that's a tough find, but, you know, good to know. I'll kind of keep my ear to the ground. And so it was probably three or four days later that he called me and he said, you aren't going to believe this. And I said, what's that? He said, there is a hair salon, Venus and Mars. Mm-hmm. They've divided the, the suites. It's about... 1,200 square feet on the bricks of Camp Bowie, right on the corner lot with Easy Park. And I'm like, well, I'm a fool if I don't take a shot at this. Everything I had just said would be perfect just landed in my lap. And so, again, not having any business experience or any knowledge of what I was getting myself into, I signed a five-year lease on a piece of uh, – at 5104 Camp Bowie. And uh, it was just a shell. And my husband and I kind of drew the – floor plan on a cocktail napkin over margaritas one night and we built a business and so it's been quite a journey and we started with just myself um, and really one two part-time people to combine for two full-time employees and we've grown to you know eight and a half people and harder than I ever expected it to be but so much more fulfilling than I could have ever dreamed of and what has been fun for me is the growth that I've seen with learning to lead people. You know, my husband will tell me I'm a terrible manager, but a great leader. And he's absolutely right because I, you know, I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings and I don't want to manage people, but I I can lead people in a a direction. And and so it's been fun for me to kind of ignite that part of Robin that I didn't know I had inside of me. So. Wow. Mm -hmm. So at what point of from, your patient that said, hey, I found what you're looking for to getting your first client. Did you have the, uh, what, what am I doing moment? <laughs> or did that not happen till later? You know, I still wake up every morning and look in the mirror and say, please, dear God, let the phone ring. <laughs> but I didn't know with my previous, where I was working, were they going to there or were they coming to me? You know, are you going to this hearing care center or are you coming to Robin? And you don't know. And so I was delighted when I opened the doors and my people found me. I spent a lot of money in marketing efforts, full page ads with just like me standing up and full color. All I wanted to do was find my people because I couldn't take my people. I had They had to find me. And we had a wonderful first year. 
like blew the doors off anything I had ever expected. T- and t- tell us more about that. You know, I said to my team of, of two gals that shared a job, I said, if we can fit 10 hearing aids a month, we're good. I'm doing my passion. I'm living my dream. I'm paying the bills. I'm making a decent living and I'm happy. And we, I mean, we did a million dollars in sales in our first year, which was to me, what? And again, you just then start to believe in yourself and you think I am good at this. You know, people like me, (laughs) you know? And so we- in, In your defense- It's really hard not to like you. Like if somebody says they don't like you, I'm like, well, you either don't know her or something's wrong with you. Well, you're sweet. I'm sure there's a handful of people who don't care for me very much, but, you know, that's life. That's only because I couldn't hear you. Yeah. Um, You're funny. Um, So, yeah. I mean, it's just been... One of those things. And then, you know, we grew and we added another audiologist and we grew and we added another audiologist and we trained an audiology assistant. And, um, you know, we're close to doing $3 million in sales in 2021, just under. And I think, gosh, I am living my dream because I'm doing what I love so much. And I think because I love it so much, I, I only hire people who love it as much as I do. And I have created the environment that I always dreamed that I could do what I love and do it where I love to do it. And so one of my goals with the practice was to create a work environment where people wanted to show up. I want people to come to work and have fun. And that's, in fact, our first core value at Carson Hearing Care is fun. And we'll check in and say, are we still having a good time? And everything is fun at our office. From having foster dogs in the office, we celebrate every crazy holiday. Um, Bloody Mary Day was about two weeks ago, and I was with a patient, and I said, it's Bloody Mary Day. He said, I love Bloody Marys. Sure enough, you know, here we come delivering Bloody Marys. And so, I mean, everything is just fun. Another core value is remarkable for us. And I think the very definition of remarkable is to be remarked upon. And so one thing I tell my team is that if patients don't leave our office talking about us, we haven't been remarkable. I want people to leave and go to their bridge group and their small Bible studies and their churches and tell people about what a great experience they have and remark upon that. And I think that we have created that remarkability that's allowed for a great um, patient referral base because people talk about us and send their friends. And and as a result of that, we have this, you know, birds of a feather where everybody that comes into my practice is wonderful. And they all know each other. There's always like this party out in the lobby because everybody knows everybody because they've sent people to us. And so that to me is so fun to watch um, but it's also created a great business space for us to get patients that believe in our practice and refer to us. So what are some of the things you do to be remarkable? Um, well, one of the things I'm most proud of is pre-COVID, I have a huge passion for animals. Like as a little girl, I would have said I wanted to be a veterinarian. So now I'm channeling that part of me. But I got into uh, dog fostering. And I started with one dog, and I thought, okay, well, we'll bring one dog to the office and just see what happens. And so the dog would come to the office, come home with me. This was my idea, is that they'd come home and we'd bring them to the office. And the first dog we got, four and a half hours later, was adopted by somebody. And I thought, okay, well, let's do – I mean, that was easy. So let's do, you know, let's do, let's do five dogs. And so five dogs came through. Five dogs got adopted. And it was patients adopting 60% of the dogs. But by pre-COVID, we got to 49 dogs. 
that had come home with me at night and come to the office all day and had just been loved on by patients. And if they would not necessarily be in the dog business, but they might say, you know, my neighbor just lost her dog. And so we created this kind of fun environment because there was a dog. In fact, people would come by just to see the dog and had no interest in seeing us, but they'd <laughs> grab a cup of coffee and pet the puppy. And it also was so fun to take a puppy and put it in a 90-year-old man's lap and say, I'm going to go clean your hearing aids. And he's just loving on this dog and to see the smiles and the joy that people would have because they had an experience that, A, they weren't expecting, and B, was remarkable. And they would leave and say, you're the dog pe person. And I'd say, well, I'm actually an audiologist. So it's kind of my side gig. But I became like this dog person. Downsides to doing that is that I have five dogs. I might get kicked out of Tarrant County because I kept 10% of them. So I'd fall in love with these ridiculous animals. And so now I have five dogs. <laughs> Truly. So it's it, it it goes against the norm to do something like this. So what what kind of got that put together, right? Does that does that question make sense? It's like how how did that come up because that's it doesn't you know if, like me even hearing this now, right? I'm like, I wouldn't know of any, I don't know of any other businesses that do anything else like that. No, but I, th I do think, you know, it, it's again a passion. I love dogs. And I thought, well, how can I do what I love? And then when I realized the community was embracing what we were doing, it made me even more interested in doing more things. Um, and so it turned into not only just fostering dogs, but supporting an organization called Saving Hope Rescue, um, where we do barking lot parties. We do fall festivals. And um, one of the, my favorite memories is having a Halloween party where we had, you know, 30 dogs in costumes parading around Carson Hearing Care's parking lot because we had a costume contest and it was an adoption event. And it, it, I mean, selfishly, you realize that you're creating a stir on Camp Bowie because we have food trucks. Austin's uh, underdogs is a hot dog truck. So we had him come out to one of our, our festivals. And you get people talking about your business. Like, what is going on at Carson Hearing Care with all these dogs and, like, you know, UPS costumes and just marching around? And so that's helped kind of build our business. And I think it is very unusual for a medical slash audiology practice to infuse that kind of fun into appointments, whether it's handing you a Bloody Mary or handing you a puppy. But if you leave my office, you're going to talk about it because you're going to say that was the coolest thing. And I tell patients who nobody wants to come and get help for their hearing, uh, but I'll tell patients, you know, I promise you this is going to be fun. And they kind of roll their eyes and look at me like, that's crazy. I'm getting hearing aids. This is not going to be fun. And sure enough, six months later, I bet 95% of the people say to me, this has been so fun. And if if that's the mark that I could leave on an industry um, is that it was really a fun experience and you've reconnected me to the people that I love and I'm participating back in life again in an easy way and you made it a good time, then I've done my job. And I really want to do it better than anybody else. So, you know, in the beginning when I, when I started this show with you, you know, we, I made the joke, you know, that I had cheated on you. Uh, and, it, uh, get, and for the audience, what happened is I was thumbing through, I don't even know, it was one of the social media things. And there was an advertisement that made it look like the hearing aids came in a small container, like a, um, like a, like a little iPod, uh, case, yeah. case, right. And so that's what I thought it was. 
And then I went to the place and then it's anything but that. It's like 10, 15 times the size of that thing for the recharge <laughs> thing. Uh, because it was like, it was like, hey, you don't have batteries, rechargeable, blah, blah, blah. But, um, and, and so then after I purchased them and I went to my forum and someone on my forum was just like, oh, you went to Robin. And I was like, oh man, why did, why was I going so fast? And I didn't think about that. But what the point I was coming back to was, this is very interesting how you're going about this because I, I really needed to get hearing AIDS a long, long, long time ago. So I lost a significant amount of my hearing in the Marine Corps. I have horrible tinnitus. You know, I just lived with somebody standing next to my head, ringing a bell. And, and it was really funny is it would seem normally it would seem like, Hey, if you have an issue, go get the issue addressed. But I think there was a bit of fear in me of going to do it. Not because while I'd get to hear, it was just that now I've got to officially acknowledge that I have this thing. Right. You can't right. squint and pretend it's not there once you see the problem. Right. You know, and, and just be like, it, it, then it's in your face. Yeah. And you have to take ownership. So to hear how you made your your office welcoming to make it easier for people to get there. And then as we'll go in and talk about the difference of, well, I don't hear the ringing because the technology, like you had mentioned before, and we'll go in more into that. And then on top of that, it drowns out the majority of the hearing, the ringing, and I can hear things that I've never, I don't, I don't even remember. I had my hearing loss has been for so long, so many decades, that the the when I was back in Fort Worth and I flew back to Colorado, and my wife and I are sitting on the patio, and I was like, "What is that noise?" And she said, "What are you talking about?" And I was like, it "Sounds like a crunching noise or." something rubbing together. I was like, what is, what is that noise? And I couldn't even figure out what it was. And it took her a few minutes and she started laughing. She goes, Span, right? Because everybody knows me knows. My daughter calls me Span when she calls me dad. I know she wants something. When my wife calls me Jeremy, I know I'm in trouble. <laughs> and she goes, Span, those are leaves. Right. Like I, I was like, what? Yeah. I, I didn't even know what the sound of leaves were unless it was like a Huge, huge windstorm, which really it's more about the windstorm than leaves. And I was like, what? Like, holy cow. Well, I mean, you don't know what you don't know. Hearing loss for a lot of people, and not necessarily in your case because of the noise exposure, but it's such a gradual fade. Uh, hearing drifts slowly over time. And, and you know, your accumulative effect of uh, family history, noise exposure, childhood illnesses, high fevers, um, and then you add to that the process of getting older. And so those are typical kind of cumulative effects or why people come in with a hearing loss is not just one thing. For you, it's primarily noise exposure. But it's such a slow drift that you forget how you should be hearing. Um, it, the best example or analogy, and it's actually a patient who gave it to me, is cataracts. You know, over years and years, these cataracts develop over your eyes and things start to yellow and things start to get a little bit dim and less bright and crisp and sharp. And they have this cataract surgery and they can't believe that they can see the individual leaves or that white is so white and paper is so crisp. And um, that's what it's like to kind of take people out from under a foot of water with their hearing 
and plug them back in. And, and you know, for some people, they're laying under six inches of water. I can see you. I can figure it out. But what you start doing when you have a hearing loss is watching people, taking visual cues, taking the context of a conversation and, and piecing it together and putting this effort into doing something we were not designed to put effort into. And so when you have a hearing loss, you start kind of paddling a little bit underneath to watch people pay attention. Where do I need to sit? Or you get into a restaurant situation and it becomes such a burden, you look at your enchilada the whole dinner instead of trying to participate because it's too much work. And so then you have this kind of social isolation that happens and people start to fade from participating in things that gave them pleasure. And then that tees up this depression for people who don't take ownership because they're no longer enjoying the things that used to give them pleasure. And so it's this kind of big ball of wax that starts to take on a life of its own. Um, And it's really dangerous for your brain. Uh, There's a big link between hearing loss and cognitive decline. And this was first studied back in 2011. Uh, But the very reason for that is what I've just mentioned, is that you start to look at your enchilada and not participate. You fade a little bit. And again, the amount of cognitive load that you're putting on your brain to do something that normal hearing people do effortlessly is exhausting. And so at the end of the day, a hearing impaired person, even if they're not aware of it, is working so much harder to get through their day because they're using all these other coping strategies and working and putting effort into something. And so when we treat hearing loss for those people, it's I can see their posture change. I can see them sit back a little bit and, and relax and not focus so much on my mouth when I'm talking to them. Or um, confidently, I can turn my back and walk out of the room and ask them what they had for lunch today. And they answer me and they're surprised because they're so used to having to do all this other stuff. So it's really a pleasure to take people from you know darkness and delight to use this silly expression. But I, and I do say to people, I'm going to take you out from under the water and plug you back in. And I want you to connect again. And I want life to be easier, at least from a communication standpoint. It should be easy to enjoy your family and friends um, without so much effort. So what, what is the difference between cogn- cognitive decline and hearing loss? Well, or is there a difference or this? Absolutely. So the, the link is if you have a hearing loss and you don't treat that hearing loss, it's more likely that dementia and Alzheimer's is going to be something that creeps up on you. So the, the single most important thing that you can do is treat the problem. And, you know, like any health condition, whether it's a knee replacement, getting your eyes done, a hip um, the, the earlier you take ownership, the better the outcome. If I have a 95-year-old guy in my office that should have been in my office 30 years ago, it is so much harder to help him and to get his brain to rewire for sound and to learn to listen again. And it's so much more challenging where if I get a 60-year-old guy in the office who's noticing early onset hearing loss and I treat that problem, very quickly his brain adapts, becomes normal, he acclimates, and then we kind of carry him over the next 30 years of his life. But his brain stays wired for sound, and he's not depriving his brain of meaningful information. And that's what happens is you start to deprive your brain, and then you get distortion that's added into your auditory system. And then even when I treat people who have let it go so long, they're never my most successful hearing instrument wearers because they've gotten way too long and it got so out of control that it's so hard to bring them back and to teach them to learn to listen again. So it's really interesting when you brought up the dementia and Alzheimer's is leading up to when I saw the little ad thing, we we had actually in our forum, uh, you know, cause in, in our forums you have the 
the SAPs that come and we had a presentation, I can't remember her name, that does like uh, adult daycare mm-hmm. for Alzheimer's patients. I'm trying to remember her name. And that was the first time that I made that direct link between hearing loss and dementia and all, all, Alzheimer's because the you, people don't go do what I did in, for a living, with, you know, if they're really that concerned with death. Death has never been something I've been that concerned with. I've just kind of always lived under the sentiment of, hey, when it's time to get my ticket punched, that was decided by God, not me, mm-hmm. that I don't have any control of that, right? That that may happen. Or if worse, I get m- wounded, lo- lose an arm, lose a leg, whatever, right? That's just cost of doing business. But the one thing, the one fear I've always had that just scares the pants off of me is losing my mind. Mm-hmm. And and I and I it just like like I'll wake up in the middle of the night because of a nightmare just thinking about it because you can take all my personal belongings, you could take all the tangible things from me, but you can't take my memories, right? Mm-hmm. I'm very much an experienced type person. And when I started making the connection between hearing loss and dementia and Alzheimer's that there was something that was potentially within my control to do to maybe offset, delay, or prevent something like that, then that became like, okay, I, I, I've i got to go do this mm-hmm. because that's the one thing I did not want to experience if at all possible. Well, it's one thing that you can do to help delay or prevent. Why wouldn't you? You mm-hmm. know, and, and for a lot of people, you know, the reason people don't take ownership is there's a great stigma associated with wearing hearing aids. I'm old. And I tell people, you know how much older you look when you're saying what all night long? You know, I mean, you're drawing far more attention to yourself by asking for repetition and annoying your family than you are by fixing this. And we can do it in a way where it's not unattractive. It can be done um, at all different costs. I think price is a barrier for a lot of people because hearing instruments are expensive. But they come in all shapes and sizes. They come in all different levels of technology. And we can find a solution that meet your lifestyle at a price point that's comfortable and it'll look good and you will plug yourself back in. And so, you know, the the denial is what you talked about, you know, mm-hmm. squinting and pretending it's not there and now you have to face the monster because you've just had a hearing test and now there is a problem. Um, lack of clarity um, and it's something I do want to talk about, remind me of the clarity part. Um and, you know, that stigma and money, but all of it can be addressed. There is a solution for everybody. And I promise you, as somebody who wears instruments myself, I stand in the line at a grocery store and look at people's ears. And I think, why in the world did someone put that hearing aid on you? That mm-hmm. is the ugliest thing I've ever seen. And I care. And I want it to look good. I want it to sound good. I want it to feel good. I want it to work well. And I want you to be delighted with the outcome. And, you know, it's really funny is I was a little worried about that stigma of like, you know, somebody seeing with me with hearing aids. And actually now it's quite the opposite, that when they find out I have them, they're like, what? And it's really funny because the advanced technology, right, Bluetooth and everything else is – people look at me like I'm crazy now because I can talk through my hearing aids on the phone. And people are like, man, are you talking to yourself? And I was like, no, hey, hold on, I'm on the phone. And they're like, what? okay, is he really crazy? And then I'll, I'll, I'll hang up the phone and be like, hey, what's going on? And they're like – how could you hear your phone? And I was like, oh, my hearing aids. And they're like, what? Like, they yeah. can't even see them. As a matter of fact, the only people that I've encountered thus far, I'm only coming on into a year into this, 
was other people that had hearing aids. Right. Right. And and, and, and most of the time, other people just don't say anything. But if I re- find out that other people that I've known for some time that had them and I didn't know had them. And then I'm, they're like, hey, you got you got hearing aids too? Right. And I say, you know, when I was trying to get pregnant, all I looked around and saw was pregnant people everywhere. Yeah. And like, you know, when you have, and I tell my patients, you know, you're going to leave here. And now that it's on your radar, you're going to see how many people in your friend group, relationships, church are wearing devices, but you haven't paid a lick of attention to it. And so it's no big deal. But yeah, um, I had a thought that totally escaped me. Well, and while you're thinking about that is one of the things that I, I, I transitioned from being someone who was fearful of going and getting hearing aids that now I'm a huge advocate of it. Like I tell my fellow vets all the time, hey, if I hear them, like if I could see, like you could see the signs in somebody's face that they're struggling to hear the conversation. As my wife now laughs, she goes, it was really funny. She goes, she goes, you were really good about 95% of the time of timing your laughs at a conversation in a loud room. And now she's married to me. She knows damn well I couldn't hear anything anybody was saying. But I was reading body language. Like you said, you know, you're you're mm-hmm. spend a lot of that energy to identify, hey, here's somebody's getting ready to tell a joke or say something funny. And you're watching everybody kind of getting ready to anticipate the laugh, to laugh at the right time. And she said, but it was always really awkward when 5% of the time you would laugh and everybody's like, what the hell is he laughing at, right? right? And, and so now I could see a lot of times the signs of somebody. And I'm like, hey, come here, you... Whether it's go somewhere private or the VA or wherever, you need to go get this thing checked out because it will make a huge difference. But also, I, I think it helps with other vets too because they're able to go, you you went and got them? And I'm like, yeah. And let me tell you, it has made a difference and an impact in my life where now my like my wife can tell when I'm not wearing them. Mm-hmm. To to an extreme, she'll 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 like snap her fingers like, hey, look at me, and I'm like, what? She's like, you don't have your hearing aids in, do you? And I'm like, no. She's like, yeah, I could tell because I've been trying to sit here and talk to you for like five minutes, right? <laughs> right? And, and I'm and I've gone from like literally from the time I get up in the morning, they go inside the ears to the time I go to bed, where when they come out, um, and and, and it was just. Like it's like it's a part of my daily routine now that makes that difference. Which is really so smart consistency. Yeah. You know, I have my little old ladies that'll say, uh, "I only wear them on game day on Friday." I'm like, "So you're telling me all week long, you scramble and then you pop them in an hour before your game night, and then you're expecting your brain to be okay with that? You 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 have to switch your normal, and you do that by being consistent with how you wear the devices, so your brain is always hearing." And then what happens, and you probably feel this way, is when you take your devices out, you think, how in the world was I stomping around the world oh. in this dim, dull, distant, muffled sound? And so uh, your brain will prefer hearing, but it takes a little bit of time to transition from your old normal to the better normal. It was, it was, a, it was a transition for sure, mm-hmm. right? Because my brain started processing things, right? Where it was occupying some time now, like, whoa, what is what that? Is all this? Yeah. You know, and, and, and that took some getting used to as well to where even now. So a, a prime a prime example is um, last weekend 
for New Year's, we went to Wisconsin. And one of my closest friends I did my MBA with at TCU uh, lives there. And his wife is an audiologist. And um, and so when we were there, and, and we've got a big passion of watching Yellowstone together, mm-hmm. right? And we'll just binge watch it. And it was funny is we were sitting here, we were two or three episodes into just hanging out in the living room, watching it, having some cocktails. And, uh, and she started laughing. She said, I haven't seen you since you got your hearing aids because we haven't seen each other in about a year. And she said, it's so nice to sit around and watch TV with you and that it doesn't have to hurt everybody's ears because even with closed captioning and I mean the TV was mm-hmm. just blaring she goes it used to it used to we wanted to do it with you because we we like watching these shows together but it was really annoying because you had to have the TV up so loud that it hurt everybody else's ears and she goes now we can have it at a normal level yep you yeah. know, where even now I was looking at her going, hey, can y'all turn that down yeah. a little bit? She goes, why don't you just turn your hearing aid down a little bit? <laughs> and so it's just a significant life changing. Yeah. And, you know, I tell a lot of people who are afraid to take ownership. And it's usually, you know, third parties, husbands, wives, spouses, daughters, children. And, and it kind of I could have been a social worker just as easily as an audiologist. So we sit down and to me, it's it's we're a village. Let's huddle around your audiogram. Let's make decisions together. And I'll say to people who are scared to take ownership, I'll say, you know, life is not this intentional conversation. Life is happening in the sidebar, the small little subtle conversations, the the punchline of the joke, the subtleties that aren't intentional. And those are all the things you're missing. And what happens is whether, and I'll talk to the wife, is whether or not you're actually doing this is you're saying, never mind, forget it, forget it. And so you're missing out on the fun. On the stuff that's just life that's happening without it being this intentional. You can hear me fine in this quiet room with no background noise and no distraction. We're face-to-face. It's it's well-lit. But that's not where we live. We live in chaos. We live in complex listening environments with multiple conversations going on at the same time, and you're missing all the fun. And I think once you can really explain that, and there's a fair amount of marriage counseling that goes on uh, in my office too, which is fun. <laughs> it, once you explain that, A, you want to create empathy for the third party. And so one of the tools that I created four years ago is called HearView. It's H-E-A-R-V-U. And I saw this huge disconnect in our industry with how we were delivering the audiometric results. So we do this crazy graph. It's very confusing. There are X's and O's on a piece of paper. No one understands what we're talking about. High pitch, low pitch, decibels, frequencies. It's all a mess. And then we're expecting people to take ownership based on a very unclear report that nobody understands. And so I had an idea four years ago, and I went to an app designer, and I said, I want to bring an audiogram to life. I want to explain the results of the audiogram in such a clear, meaningful way that you can't deny it. And I want to create compassion and empathy for the person with a hearing loss. And so Born was HearView, and since then we've gone through several generations just improving the tool. Um, and I really just built it for my office. And what I realized as I was using it with every patient, and it has a hearing loss simulator too. So you can play a piece of music through a normal hearing uh, auditory system, and then I can say, okay, I'm going to play the same piece of music through your husband's hearing loss. Or I can record the wife's voice. What would you like for dinner tonight? normal hearing, and then I can filter that same uh, dialogue through your husband's hearing loss. And what I was seeing was this huge compassion of wives and spouses who've been annoyed with each other forever saying, I had no idea. 
that that's how you were hearing. It's invisible. Hearing loss is invisible, and nobody understands it unless you have it. Um, and even people who have it don't understand it because they've forgotten what normal hearing is. And so as I started introducing this tool into my practice and training my students and audiologists, we brought it to market last October at a conference. And so it's a tool now that is being sold to hearing healthcare professionals because I felt like, gosh, every patient should have the opportunity to engage with an audiogram and truly understand and then what you do is you remove denial and you, you create great clarity around a very confusing graph, which then allows people to take ownership more quickly. And I felt like every provider should have an opportunity to explain this crazy graph in a meaningful way that makes it fun again, bringing it back to the word fun, to talk about and to interact with an audiogram as you move and touch on this iPad. Um, so that's kind of in my fourth child um, is launching this product and, and creating a new business called HearView. So if, if if I understand it right is I finally, after many CPAs and many years, found an accountant that can speak English. Right. Right. Because I remember the previous firm we were with before we were with Matt Fowler was, which funny enough, introduced by our friend John Lee. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, and he was able to speak English. And I was like, God. Man, it's just nice to understand this. Even though I got an MBA, I took accounting classes and all that, but it's just a complex thing, right? So if I understand is very similar as you've taken something that's very complex, very hard to understand. And, and if there was one thing I, I've learned many things from my previous executive coaches, clarity creates trust, confusion creates fear, right? So you've taken something that was confusing that creates fear and you've been able to I love create that. an app that gives clarity, that creates trust. Yes. And it, it creates that getting wow. everybody on the same team and just removing the barriers of denial and lack of clarity. And and so, I, I mean, we saw as a side benefit to using HearView in our practice, you know, increase in our billable hour or increase in our help rate, um, creating consistency in my practice. So I know that everybody regardless of what patient room they're in, is getting the exact same journey and being explained the results of the audiogram in the exact same way. Um, and it, for students coming out of school, HearView, everybody knows how to do an audiogram, but nobody knows how to talk about it. And so HearView has been a tool that allows you to create conversations around an audiogram, and, and it really is fun. So the app is meant for people Hearing in health. the industry. Correct. And it's also, you know, since we've launched it, we have now 130 iPads across the country. We're in 20 states, uh, Cayman Islands and Canada. Um, and so we have a map in our office, a HearView map, and we kind of push, push pins as people, you know, purchase the product. And the product ships directly from the Apple store. So we have an Apple development account. And, you know, I don't even know how a fax machine works. And so the fact that I have been able to figure out how to create a tool and not by myself, but with great help. Eric Gessling is an audiologist that works for me who's half my age and a whole lot smarter. And he's really been the person that helps me interact with the Apple Development Store and, and make these changes. But it's now available in Spanish. So, I mean, as terrible of a job we did in the English-speaking population, if I had a Spanish-speaking person, I, was, I mean, forget it. And so um, lots of ideas to make this a better tool. And so we're, it's constantly kind of just evolving to be – the best patient counseling tool that's on the market. And so it's been fun. It's, I mean, it's exhausting because, like, you know, I'm, I'm still seeing patients full time and then trying to launch this other little business. But 
the same time, at, born out of this passion for doing the very best job with people. Um, and so Hearview allows that. Something that's really fun, just to talk about something completely off topic, is people that come to my office are hoping it's just earwax. That's, you know, and, and so we have a big video screen like this in my office and a camera that we put in the ear and you can see <clears throat> the ear canal and you can see the eardrum. So the first thing I want people to say is, or to see is it's not earwax. So let's put that aside because we're looking at your eardrum together and there's not a stitch of earwax in your ear canal. So we know that that's not the problem. So now let's dig deeper and try to figure this out. But we purchased a piece of equipment about a year and a half ago called the irrigator because oftentimes I look in the ear and it's just impacted with wax. Well, we need to remove that wax before I can do a hearing test or I'm not going to get any good result. And so it's this ear flushing piece of equipment. And so Eric, again, half my age, great guy, started a TikTok page. And so what they're doing is TikToking um, the irrigator. You know, obviously we have patients sign waivers that we're going to video and um, as a result of this, this is mind-boggling to me, is we have 1.6 million followers on TikTok for our site, Get Flushed. And we have people from all over the world emailing our office to ask if we have a location in Singapore, Dubai, New York City. And so born of that kind of random crazy, um, we started a little company called Flush. And so all it is is, you know, this ear flushing and people come in, other TikTok people come in just to TikTok their TikTok. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> and you know, our waiting room is divided very clearly. You can see the hearing healthcare people and you can see the people that are there for flush. And they're so excited. And the disappointment on those people's faces when there's no wax in their ears. And it's almost like watching Dr. Pimple Popper because mm-hmm. it's gross. I can't even watch most of the videos. It gives me the heebie-jeebies. But people love this. And one video on our Get Flush TikTok site, has 36 years of combined watch time. Wow. One video. 36 years. Because they're only like, TikToks are only like, what, 60 seconds or something like that, right? And the analytics that TikTok does, you can see. 36 years. i got to do the math on this while you're talking. I mean, 36 years someone's watched the same video, and they're gross. But Eric puts them to fun music, and it's, I mean, it's almost funny and laughable, but that's kind of taken on a life of its own. And um, it's a fun thing to talk about to patients too, because even my people in their 60s, 70s, 80s, they know what TikTok is. And for you to be able to say you are in the office of a TikTok sensation, you know, they think that's pretty cool, even if they don't understand it. So if I'm doing my math right on my calendar now, as everybody knows, I'm a Marine. So math for Marines, I maybe got this wrong. That comes out to one billion one hundred and thirty-five million two hundred ninety-six thousand. It's crazy. Seconds of viewing mm-hmm. on just one of our videos. On one video, and so if any, you'll have to check it out when I leave. But yeah, get so, get so all, all these girls that are trying to get followers by dancing uh, scantily clad, you're totally outdoing them. Right, right now. And, you know, and TikTok <laughs> starts to pay you. I mean, at one point, it was making $348 a day. What? For us to have TikTok. TikTok starts to pay you money. And so they pay you to produce these videos that keeps people on TikTok. And so uh, it's crazy. And I don't even understand it. And I am taking absolutely no credit for it because yeah. it's been Eric and, and Amy. They 
they spot the perfect TikTok, they video it, they set it to music, they put it out there, and I've allowed them to split whatever money comes from it. I mean, That's awesome. Yeah. And so they have this investment in saying, I think I've got a good one, and they'll go and do this video, TikTok it, and then I let them split whatever money comes from TikTok every month because I really have not done anything other than given the platform and the environment and the tools so to do this. Kinda, I've always heard myths, so now that I'm here with a pro, is um, Q-tips. Terrible. Most people can get away with it, but, you know, the, the – misnomer is is that you're going to pull something out with a Q-tip. But if you think about you're inserting something into a small hole, packing it closer to your eardrum, you're not scooping anything out. You're smashing everything in. And so that's why we have a lot of our TikTok people, is they have compacted this earwax again and again with daily use of Q-tips and created a hot mess for themselves. And then they need help. And so they come to our office to, to have this irrigator um, done. And, you know, also Q-tips, they feel so good, right? And Johnson & Johnson's done a wonderful job marketing them. Um, but the old adage of don't put anything smaller than your elbow in your ear is, is <laughs> a pretty good one. Um, but you also, with the use of a Q-tip, massage the glands that manufacture wax and end up manufacturing more wax because you're stimulating that production. And so don't use them. Some people can get away with it because they're just not wax manufacturers. But if you're a waxy person... Stay away from your ears. I tell people, cruise into my office. You know, every three months, we'll take a peek in your ear and we'll manage it. Um, that's far better. The wax in your ear migrates out on dead skin. It's gross, but that's just what it does. And you use a Q-tip and you just keep kind of preventing that natural migration process and packing this wax in your ears, um, which is, you know, bodes well for a TikTok site uh, because it gives us something to TikTok, but uh, not necessarily the best thing you can do for your ear health. Well, let me ask you this is this is what I've been using them for. It's like when I get out of the shower, I don't go in. I just kind of clean Perfect. out the little area here to get the water out before I put in my hearing aids. Perfect. Okay. Yeah. yeah. But I don't cram that thing in there. I mean, I'm just literally trying to soak up water right yeah. here. Because you don't want yeah. to put the devices into a moist environment. Right. And right. then they'll short right. out because although hearing aids today are water resistant, they're not waterproof. Yeah. Um, so, um, Yeah. So you mentioned you mentioned something uh, a, a little while ago, um, a, a word that I want to come back to is you said clarity. And you know, I, I kind of circled back in my own head when I started talking about creating clarity with HearView. Okay, um, that was kind of my. I want to make sure I mention that. Um, and you know, with, with HearView, so yes, we're we're counseling patients, but what I started doing was taking it out into the community to our physicians that are referring patients. And saying to them, gee, I know you're busy, but I want to show you something special that your patients are experiencing when they come to our office. Every single time they're getting this education on their ears and hearing. Um, and so as a result of bringing HearView into the community, it's also allowed for us to increase our physician referrals. So it's just fun to watch. And here I say I'm not an entrepreneur. You know, I don't have this entrepreneurial spirit. But clearly, as I hear myself talking, I think that I do because I'm, I'm always kind of sure you're the. But you know, I mean, I'm always trying to think of something fun. But it's all out of passion and fun, and not because I have a business brain or not because of anything other than just being an environment that creates opportunities to think outside the box and to try to do things so uniquely different in such an incredibly competitive market. I mean, on Camp Bowie, there are six competitors, all selling hearing aids for a living. How in the world are you going to separate yourself from that competition? And I told people as they come on board, the only way we can do it is by doing something uniquely different 
by creating a patient journey that's second to none and by out customer servicing everybody. We love our patients. I know this for a fact. We love our people more than anybody else loves their people. And we take the very best care of them. Well, on this here view, when it comes time that uh, it, to get this introduced to the VA, whatever I can do to introduce you to the right people to make that happen. I that, would love that opportunity. Man, because... You know, it, it goes back to, you know, how, how many vets that I know. I mean, like, God, we could just change the brain health because we're learning a lot of things about brain health, especially with vets between TBIs and everything else, that if this is another tool to help offset that. And but to be able to go in and I, I like to joke marine proof it. Right. Like, hey, I'm not going to show you something with some X's and O's and graphs. Like, I've got an app that I can break it down to you. You know, are you smarter than a fifth grader like Jeff Foxworthy's TV show, right? Right. And, and it, to to help eliminate that hesitation, fears, whatever reason vets aren't doing this, uh, to, to get in there. So I, I, I do want you to circle back up with me. I will. And I'd uh, love to share it with that. you in a pop-up just to let you see it and feel it and oh, see. Because yeah. it's cooler than I'm even explaining it to be. Yeah. I mean, it's really a tool that um, – I think has an opportunity to change an industry and how we do things. That is, and I tell you, is that's that's the that 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 would be incredible. So, something I do want to touch on is, is um, so hearing aids are expensive. Yep. Right. Um, and, and and this is cost was never a factor for me. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I'm in a very fortunate financial status that you know if I go spend several thousand dollars on something. I blow several thousand dollars on stupid stuff all the time. So mm-hmm. it, to do something like this, that wasn't that wasn't a barrier of entry for me personally, but I know that's a barrier of entry for a lot of people. What are some different opportunities that if somebody comes in, like just roughly ballpark, what what an average cost of a set of hearing aids? You can spend anywhere from $2,000 for a pair of hearing aids to as much as $6,800 at our office. Um, okay. Now, again, I tell people we need to find technology that meets you where you live. So if you're 95 years old and you stay home and do puzzles all day, you don't need the same kind of technology that you need. Yeah. You know, you work full time. You're in restaurant situations. You go to Bass Hall, football games, ballet recitals. You live in a world that requires far more technology than that guy sitting home. And so truly trying to identify where someone falls on this lifestyle pyramid and then finding a product also that sits at a budget that's comfortable. Because some people come in and say, Robin, I have your same lifestyle, but that's not the budget I have to fix this. And I'll say, okay, well, let's start there because that's important. And let's find a manufacturer that's going to meet you where you live at a price point you're comfortable with. So there really is a solution. And I think something also that people aren't aware of because nobody wants to talk about it, but I tell everybody up front, if this is not successful, We can switch horses, we can try a different manufacturer, we can try a different product, or you can return these hearing aids all together and be fully refunded. So there's a safety net built in for you that this has got to be successful. You know, I'm not going to keep a restocking fee. If you return the devices and I haven't helped you hear better, I haven't done my job. And so I think that creates this, oh, no, no, I didn't realize that. Um, Because I don't want you to keep something and be that statistic of the person who spends $2,000 $2,000 or $6,000 on hearing aids and sticks them in your nightstand drawer and never uses them. It's an incredible waste of money. Um, and I believe so strongly that this process can be done so well that I can confidently stand behind my promise to you. 
which is to correct the problem, to plug you back in, to make your life easier, um, and to get you participating in life again the way that you remember. Um, and I think it's a relief for people to realize, okay, if this doesn't work out, I'm not going to waste any money. Heck no. So what if somebody comes in and says that, you know, the, the fit for them is a set of $5,000 hearing aids, but they don't have 5000 Are there other financing opportunities to still be able to get them or? Yeah. I mean, there is, you know, care credit. You can finance these things. Um, I joke and say I'm a great audiologist, but a terrible business person. So if I see the need for someone, I will say, let's just figure it out. I mean, I have somebody who's been paying on his hearing aids for four and a half years. <laughs> he pays me 50 <laughs> bucks a month. And I'm like, you know, but I know I helped him. And that really is my goal. And there are people in this community everywhere, all over the world, that you either sell hearing aids for a living or you help people hear better. And when you operate in Camp B, where truly your intention is to help you hear better and find the best solution, it's not about getting hearing aids on you. It's about changing your life through better hearing. So that brings another question to me. Is And, and it, actually, I don't know why this is the parallel I use for it is, Christmas time, my daughter's in college. I'd ask her boyfriend, hey, what does she want for, you know, Christmas? You know, like I mostly figured it out, but I was like, what does she really want? And he was like, man, she needs a new TV, right? And I go down and I see this 4K apps, everything else, high-end TV. It's like 250 bucks. Like that same TV 10 years ago was like $25,000. Yeah. So technology has advanced with the costs coming down. Is it the same way with hearing aids? It's like the technology is getting better and better where I guess my question is, is there an advantage to going, hey, here's the next technology round to go and upgrade to the next hearing aid? Great question. Um, so people ask that often. They'll be like, how in the world are you charging $3,000 for this little piece of plastic when, when I can get a TV, you know, for mm. 200 bucks? Demand. Yeah. You know, there's sure. there's no demand driving down the cost of technology. People aren't knocking on your doors to get the latest, greatest hearing aids. And so, unfortunately, for that reason, costs stay relatively stable. So the very best hearing aid back in – a pair of hearing aids back in 1998 was $5,600. The very best pair of hearing aids all these years later is now $6,800. So the costs don't necessarily increase, but technology is constantly improving. Um, and I think about, you know, the iPhone. You have the iPhone 5 and the 5S and the 6 and the 7 and the 8, always changing. I wouldn't necessarily run out to the store to get the 5S if I had the 5. But if I had the 5, by the time 10 came, I was ready to get a new phone. And I could appreciate the difference. And that's really how hearing aid technology runs on that same cycle of improvement. Um, how many years would you say, just kind of roughly? Four to six years. So, okay. and, and when I sit with patients, I'll say, my job is to solve your problem now based on the information we've gathered. And it's also my commitment to you is that I'm going to choose something that as your hearing continues to decline, which is going to, that you can grow into and I need to have you covered for five years. Okay. So I need to choose a solution that's going to last you five years. And some people have them for 10 years. If you're happy and delighted and they're working well, don't replace them. But, you know, three reasons people adopt new technology is your hearing changes enough where they've outgrown their product. Um, your washing machine doesn't wash like it used to. So in your case, you're wearing hearing aids 12 hours a day in this humid, waxy, moist environment. They're prone to mechanical failure and not working as well as they did when they were new. But the third uh, leg to that is the improvements in technology get people excited about hearing better. And you're experiencing that. You know, the breakthrough of Bluetooth streaming, 
your hearing aids are rechargeable, maybe. Yep. Um, so those are the latest breakthroughs is, oh, my God, I don't have to change batteries anymore. I mean, talk about a pain in the butt for my 80-year-old person with poor dexterity to get a small little sticker off a silver battery and try to get it into their hearing aids. Yeah. It's enough trouble that they say, forget it. Yeah. No, 100%. And, and I, I – and, 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 you know, selfishly, it was one of the reasons why I was asking is because – like if there was a new, more advanced one that came out every year, I mean, to me, of course, I'm, I'm fortunate to be where I am financially. I would just go buy the next one just because I would be like, hey, what does this one do next? Because like even now, um, these ones is if even if I'm sitting in a large auditorium and the speaker, I can go up and put my phone up there and go back and sit in my seat and I can hear them because it's running the phone is capturing it and then live listening. It. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and so that's huge. Or even like on the app on mine, like you can, like if you get GPS on these things, right? Yeah. I find mean, just, my hearing aids. Where, where are they? Right. Which I think is a great one because if you're dropping five grand on something, you want to know where you left those things. Right. right. And I kid you not, I have found a pair in the Rivercrest Country Club locker room. I have crawled all over somebody's apartment trying to find their hearing aids because they did this. They lifted their bedspread and the hearing aids went flying. Um, and that find my hearing aids actually does work, but I don't say rely on it to keep track of them. Right. Um, <laughs> the latest thing for me that I really think is is different is the implementation of artificial intelligence in hearing aids. So tell me, so tell me more new. about that. Tell me. So. Again, don't understand how a fax machine works, so I have to dumb things down for myself. But when I do texting on my phone, I never text. I hit the microphone and I talk into my phone and voice text everything. So a year ago, it was terrible. I ended up having to re-text everything over again because it was – didn't make any sense. My husband was always, you know, Todd instead of Rod, even though I (laughs) used the name. And so I'm auto-correcting. Now when I voice text onto my phone – you can watch it go back and autocorrect stuff. Yeah. It will change because that didn't make sense. That word doesn't belong here. Um, it knows my voice patterns. It knows it's Rod because it's, it's – and so the hearing aids have that same kind of artificial intelligence now where they're anticipating what would have been there. Um, one product from a company called Oticon, um, the engineers have put 20,000 sound samples into the hearing aid. So the hearing aid knows where you are because it's learned what each environment looks like. And it's remarkable to me. And I'm one of those whatever, I don't believe anything, a, a hearing aid person comes in and tries to teach me something new. But about four to six months ago, I started putting this product out. And that's what I do whenever something new comes is I take my most difficult patients and I say, I want you to come in and, and wear this and give me feedback. Be my guinea pig. Right. Um, gives me two things, an opportunity to see if I can help them hear better and also get true feedback from people who are really difficult. Um, and it's the first time that people were coming in and saying to me, this is unbelievable. I thought, stop, you know, and then again and again and again, people saying this is the first time I feel like I am not listening through something and the the sound quality. What is is this one? It's a company called Oticon. It's called the Oticon More, um, M-O-R-E, and it has all different price points for all different lifestyles, but it truly is the first hearing aid that, in my experience, has this artificial intelligence, incredibly smart um, processing but, I mean, to your point, your hearing aids are a year old. Yeah. I mean, you're good for another couple of years, truly. You're yeah. not going to notice this wow as yeah. opposed to the guy who comes in with six-year-old hearing aids and then I put him in new ones and he's, oh, my gosh. Yeah. Because, you know, it, tiny changes sometimes aren't enough to justify 
reinvesting in something new. Um, but you get yourself up three, four, five years, it's a game changer for people to get new hearing aids. So would you call that one the Cadillac of hearing yeah, aids? There's so or? many manufacturers. There's probably five big ones. And one thing I love about having my own practice is I can work with anybody I want. So I can take any manufacturer that I think is doing a great job. And so there's no cookie cutter approach where everybody's getting the same hearing aid. So it's truly about fit for you, no pun intended, fitting in there, but fit by product, whole nine yards, price yeah. and everything to the individual. Right. And so you're not you're not pigeonholed into one particular, hey, this is the brand we push because that's what our office has a contract with exactly. and so forth. Exactly. In fact, yeah. I um, when I started out my business, I purposefully did not want to get in bed with a manufacturer and have them finance me. Because I did not want to have to do 80% of my products for a certain manufacturer when that wasn't the best intention for or the best solution for that patient. And so I um, feel very strongly about being able to look at the five big manufacturers. And every manufacturer does something really well. So if you're somebody who comes in and says, Robin, I am only going to wear a hearing instrument if it's completely hidden in my ear canal and nobody can ever see it, any part of it, Okay. I know what manufacturer I'm going to go to because they do the very best job building a shell and the smallest technology. Um, you know, Widex and Oticon, wonderful receiver in the canal product, Bluetooth streaming, cell phone. So every manufacturer has their wheelhouse and having the flexibility of having my own practice where I can truly choose a product based on what I think is the best fit for you um, makes it fun. And sometimes it's disappointing because patients want to leave with hearing aids. And I say, I don't have a shelf full of hearing aids that I'm trying to put on you. I'm going to order something specifically for you and the color that makes sense for your hair. And, you know, I mean, and we're going to make this your hearing aids. And I actually sometimes say, I'm going to think about what I want to put on you. I want to do a little research and get into some fitting softwares. And, you know, I'm choosing between this and that, but I want to do a little bit more work. But your solution will be here in, in you know, 10 days when I see you for refitting. So something you mentioned prior to us being on the show uh, that I definitely wanted the audience to hear was you go get annual physicals. You go get annual mammograms, colonoscopies, endoscopies, XYZ, ABCs, eye evaluations, but not Nobody here. ever thinks about it. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, every adult over the age of 55 should have a baseline audiogram. Where are you? And then five years from now, I can look back and say, this is where you are. This is where you are. If you never get one single baseline, we never know where you used to be. And so get a baseline audiogram. We don't charge for any initial consultations at all. I want to know where you are. I want to adopt you as a patient for the rest of your life. I want you to tell your grandmother, even if you're 50 and don't need hearing aids, that you had a great experience. And so get a baseline audiogram. It costs nothing, and it gives you so much information um, about this really often ignored part of our anatomy, our ears. Nobody thinks about it. Or come in and see if you what your ear canals look like. I tell people when I put a camera in their ears, it's worth the drive to see a part of your body you've never seen before. And so, the, you know, you stick a camera in their ear, they see their eardrum, and that is so fun to explore a part of your body you've never seen um, and then to gather information that is vital to potentially prevent any cognitive decline. Um, it's one of your five senses, and we don't pay any attention to it. Wow. Wow. So I like to wrap up all my shows by going, look, I know if we went back to 20-year-old self, we would have an encyclopedia of things we would want to tell 20-year-old self. But if you knew 
you had a five-minute window to go back in time and 20-year-old self would listen to just one thing of either do or don't do this, what would you go back and tell 20-year-old self? Such a tough question, and I've thought about it since you mentioned it earlier, but um, believe in yourself. I mean, I think, you know, I was that person who never really worked hard in school, was a lot of fun in high school, but certainly didn't think I'd going to go on to college. Um, Grew up in a small podunk New England town, um, smoking cigarettes and drinking beer in the ice cream parking lot, (laughs) thinking, I guess this is it, you know, and then figuring out I had to go to school, which is why I went to Niagara University, because there was a school that would take me. Um, And, you know, but I never thought that I guess I didn't believe in myself enough that I could really, you can do anything you put your mind to. Um, But what I tell my children is find your passion. And I don't care if it's, you're an auto body mechanic, me talking to my son, Jacob, you know, just be the best damn mechanic in Fort Worth. Be the best at whatever it is that you do. Um, You know, and if you're going to do it, do it well. Yeah, that is, that is great. So people want to learn more about you, your products, your 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 everything. Where, where, what is the easiest way to find you that we could put on the site? Real easy is just CarsonHearingCare.com. So you can find out about um, everything about our office and see some Meet the Office videos and see what other patients are saying about their experience with us. And, and what's the um, TikTok channel? Get Flushed. Get flushed on mm-hmm. TikTok. Yeah, check it out and uh, follow us if you can stomach it. <laughs> oh, oh, absolutely. Well, and uh, for those of you that are driving down the road, or you're not somewhere where you could write down this information, you can always go to our website, myexperiencedrealtor.com, experience with an ED, click on podcast, scroll down to Robin Carson, and you will be able to see all the links and everything else and download this episode and other episodes. And of course, if you're looking to buy, sell real estate anywhere on the planet, go back to the homepage, click find a trusted professional. We'll get you hooked up. Robin, thanks for coming on the show. So fun. I enjoyed it.